cliffcentral.com. It's time for Collectomania <laughs> this morning. So, so Collectomania is obviously brought to you by the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Scoin Shop. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been very good for gold. So if you did buy some gold and other precious metals from the South African Gold Coin Exchange, you would be sitting pretty right now because the stock markets have been up and down, but mostly down. Crypto has been I down. A, I have a little story just to add to that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> roping in Canada and gold um, and South African gold in particular, um, these people in Canada had just bought a new house and their, their daughter noticed in the bedroom mm-hmm. that along one of the walls where there was this kind of woodwork against the walls, um, there was a, a latch at the bottom and they realized that it was this piece of wall that you could open up. Oh, wow. And there was this complete hidden room behind it. There was nothing in the room. I mean, it was a good hiding place. Yeah. But um, there was a little drawer, one white drawer with a handle. They pulled this open, and inside was um, looked like a little jewelry box. And when they opened that up, there was um, – an Olympic gold medal, an Olympic silver medal. Um, We know that the medals may not be real, but the medals themselves were authenticated (laughs) with a little piece of paper as Olympic medals from, I think it was 1983. And there was also a half South African Kruger Rand. Turned out that that was the most valuable find in that little box. Damn. But, uh, yeah, that was left behind by someone you, well, you just would, yeah, I'd lucky, it. lucky them. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I wonder if people are still looking for that lost treasure of uh, Paul Kruger's, right? They're still searching yeah. the country for it. <laughs> you never know. Maybe someone finds it in the next uh, couple of years. Just comes upon this huge treasure trove of gold. Would be nice. Um, would be even nicer if it's someone we know and you know they share it with us. But let's let's not count our chickens. Anyway, Collectomania, of course, is brought to you by the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Scoin Shop. And this week we're going to do something a little bit different. We've been talking to collectors every week, and we'll continue to talk to collectors of really interesting things. And there are so many amazing places these collections can go. But today I thought we'd look at the psychology behind people who collect, and whether it's a compulsion whether it's just a curiosity, whether it makes people more interesting, or whether it takes them into that dangerous area that hoarders end up in. And how do you know it's a problem? So this is an uncomfortable conversation some of us collectors need to have. And I thought we'd have Shai Friedland on. Shai is a clinical psychologist who works from a cognitive behavioral perspective. And cognitive behavioral um, treatment is something that's uh, had tremendous success over the last few years. There are many people who have uh, have changed their entire lives by cognitive behavioral therapy. We'll speak to uh, Shai Friedland about that. But his areas of special interest include obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety disorders, as well as hoarding disorders. And I thought it would be a really good idea to have Shai on this morning. Hi, Shai. How are you? Good morning, Gareth. Well in yourself. Very good. And it's nice to have you on. And thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, This is obviously a touchy subject because on Collectomania every Monday, we've talked to people who collect all kinds of things, things that aren't necessarily intrinsically valuable, like gold coins, for example, but things that make them happy and things that add value to their lives. There's a very fine line between a collector and a hoarder. How do you distinguish between the two? 
Well, yeah, as you said, there is a fine line, but you can definitely distinguish between the two. I think the look collecting is is done by someone who who finds something of value, wants to collect that thing, and then is able to sort of structure it and display it in in certain ways. You'll find somebody who hoards generally generally won't keep things of of value. They do still keep things of value, but it won't be only that certain thing of value. It'll be a lot of stuff that isn't of value. (laughs) And therefore, what would happen is, is that because they collect collect so many different types of things, it actually becomes, it becomes sort of um, a clutter. So what I mean by a clutter is that they don't have any organization in how they display it. Somebody who's collecting something wants to collect it and be able to display it. And you'll find that they will maybe have areas where they can display it or places they can go to, to to display it. They will take care of the stuff that they collect. And it's sort of their prized possessions where somebody who's hoarding has significant difficulty just parting with, with things. They will collect things as well, but I mean, collecting may be buying something of value, but it may also be just, picking something up, finding something. I mean, collecting papers and newspapers. I've got people that, you know, will, will have rocks or, or leaves or feathers that they just find <laughs> walking around and, you know, just leaving that in their, in, in their place. So, and then that becomes obviously so, cluttered. So what right. I mean by that, yeah. Organization, because yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not crazy here. Um, and and, <laughs> and by, by extension, all the other people we've had on Collectomania. Um, you have to have, an organized and 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 uh, and displayed or tidy collection, something that you want to show to people. Whereas the hoarder, mm-hmm. and and we've seen a lot of these shows on TV where they go into these these people's houses and there's just piles of of crap, really, like m- old milk containers and you know, like a pair of shoes and as you say, newspapers. Those people are obviously hoarders, and for them, it's not about collecting at all. It's just about not giving anything away, not losing anything, making sure you you don't miss any of those things that you've encountered during the last 20 years of your life, perhaps. Um, are those also the people who sometimes die and then you only find them under a pile of their crap like uh, five years later? Yeah, you know, a lot of the people <laughs> that will collect something, you know, it's it's there are people that generally, generally may be living on their own, uh-huh. Uh, some of them may have, have have partners, but you'll find that because because of their hoarding, they're very difficult to to live with, and they often often have comorbid anxiety or depression. So they mm. are difficult people to live with. And what you'll find is that they have a strong attachment to the things that they that they, you know, I'll use the word collect, but it's sort of acquiring really, or it's buying yeah. or it's collecting in a way. And they yes, collectors also have an attachment to the things that they collect, but they're specific things. Whereas this person may have a, a connection as in, I have a sentimental value to a, a, a milk carton or to newspapers or to, to magazines, or that I'm going to find some type of value from this thing. So they collect it. And as you rightly right. say, if you go into somebody's house who, who does hoard, what you will find is just piles and piles and piles of things. And therefore there's no organization. And also it gets in the way of areas that are supposed to be livable. So you'll find that, the TV room, the dining room, the kitchen, places that you're supposed to live in right. are completely cluttered. And then they've got, I mean, I mean, we've got people that, you know, they can't even get into their own beds. They've got bedrooms, they, but they cannot, they'll sleep on the floor, they'll sleep in different areas of the house because they can't get into their bedrooms because there's just too much stuff lying around. And it does become extremely unsavory. You'll find things like dirty milk cartons, as you say, yes. but, but 
But in, in houses, people, we found feces, we found oh rotten God. food, we found, and, and yes, and there are reported cases. I mean, I haven't had it here, but there are reported cases overseas where people have been found dead in their apartments and, and nobody's known for, for weeks on end. Jeez. All right. Yeah. So, so, so that's the, that's the negative downside of when, you know, someone is a hoarder instead of a collector, but let's just look at collecting and the, and the mindset behind that, because you do study and you do work with people who have obsessive compulsive disorder. And I feel like there may be a little bit of a link here because for many collectors, it's about arranging their collection, about not having any gaps in it, about being able to look at it all the time, to count things, to arrange them in a specific order, to be able to check in on them as many times as they need to check in on them. And I think that maybe there's a relationship or am I stretching it? Um, Gareth, I think, I think maybe in a way you're stretching and I'll tell you why. I think hoarding disorder actually fell under the, the OCD umbrella. So it actually was a, an, an OCD disorder. And now it's got its own sort of category in our DSM, which is the, the manual that we use to classify people. But it's, a, it's an umbrella sort of disorder. Mm -hmm. So hoarding falls under that. Where collecting is different is that somebody who collects, they collect for pleasure. They collect because they want the thing, and it's pleasurable to show it off. Where in OCD, a compulsion and putting things in order is not for pleasure. So nobody will do it for pleasure. They do it to relieve some type of anxiety or distress that they get. So let's say somebody who is collecting has some anxiety or distress that, I don't know, something bad will happen if I don't collect X, Y, and Z. Well, then we're starting to get into a realm of, of OCD. But generally, mm. most collectors won't have... Uh, what's regarded as OCD. And, and there's many different sort of themes in OCD, many different categories in OCD. But OCD really is, 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 is supposed to impair your functioning. Right. Where somebody who's collecting is not necessarily impairing their functioning. They, they may go to extreme lengths to collect something and obviously want the full collection. But that is, that is out of pleasure and that's wanting to be able to, as I said, display it to the world or display it to people around and show like, you know, I've got this collection, but somebody who, who, yeah, somebody who's got OCD generally they if they collecting something, they're doing it out of complete fear and distress that there's some anxiety. And as soon as I collect it, almost that, dis that distress comes down and that anxiety yeah. comes down. And I feel that I've, I've saved myself or saved the world or, or done something correct. Whereas collecting generally somebody does it for pleasure. I like that definition. That makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> All, right. All right. So Tembisa says, for example, my husband hoards cars. He has 10 cars. We had to keep a house when we moved just so he could keep the garage space. Well, I mean, there's clearly, you know, you guys aren't having money problems if he's got 10 cars. But is that hoarding or is that collecting? Because, I mean, Jay Leno has like three warehouses full of cars. Uh, and if Tembisa's husband is is a collector rather than a, I mean, a, a hoarder. That makes Jay Leno a super hoarder. I, I mean, I, I suppose it also depends on whether it's four broken down Fiat's or, <laughs> you know, some, lo some loads of junk that don't work <laughs> or whether it's a Ferrari from a specific year that he loved and a collector's BMW. I suppose it would depend a lot on that. Yeah, maybe someone's collecting old Fiat's. I mean, that's also all right. <laughs> What do you say? So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess, look, I think we, we use the term hoarding stuff, but that sounds a lot like collecting mm. to me. A lot of people collect cars. 
you know, and if you have the money to be able to collect cars, then great. great. And I think mm. people do collect cars. I think what will happen maybe is that it becomes a problem if you don't have anywhere to store it and, and it becomes an issue if you can't place it anywhere. However, cars generally won't get in the way of your, of, of your general living space in your house, right? I, I would assume. I don't know how big the cars yeah. are, but I would assume. Right. And um, therefore, they're not really – it's not really – Hoarding. I guess if that comes with other things, if if her husband isn't in sort of, I don't know, collecting or trying to acquire different types of things um, that are that is getting into the in the house and that's it's cluttering up the space, that along with the cars may be regarded as a hoarding or a hoarding problem or a hoarding disorder. But generally, just collecting cars is not a hoarding hoarding so, issue. And so again, I guess the cars. Yeah. None of the cars. No, I guess the cars, yes, as you guys rightly say, you know, if the cars are broken down and they're not doing anything, it could start to be classified as hoarding. But generally, it's 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 still a collector's thing. And I think if the person gets to it and they're able to fix the car and display it, mm. then again, that, that is that is. Then you're in the safe I think zone. If it just lies around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, if it just so, lies around, it may be body hoarding. The other thing that, that, that needs to be discussed here is because a lot of collectors will sacrifice other things in order to keep their collection going or to add to their collection. There's obviously a healthy line there. You know you've got a problem too when you are foregoing meals or rental payments because you want to collect something. Obviously, there's a bit of a problem there, right? That would be alarm bells, Shy. Yeah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I think what happens is with a lot of people who do hoard, they will spend a significant amount of money on something that they do not that they do not need um, or they can't afford, and they will give up other things. I mean, I've got I've got people in my practice that that do hoard that are in severe debt. I mean, significant debt, and they and it, and there are times that they will rather go through the night and not eat. They won't have breakfast the next day. They, their family at times won't eat because they need to get the next thing or they need to find the next thing and collect the next thing, right? I guess as, as a collector, there is a bit of a difference where a lot of people who collect will make sure that they that they are able to save up for something, that they're able to have the right amount of money for it and be able to buy it so they can collect it. I think when, when you're talking about collecting, people with collecting have the ability at times to to sort of slow themselves down and go, okay, I can get this thing, but I've got to work towards right. it and I've got to be able to make enough money. Somebody who's hoarding, this, the anxiety that they get from not being able to acquire something or buy something or take something is so significant that they that, that overrides the fact that I've got to have uh, dinner tonight or have food on the table or be able to buy myself something or, or, or even get to work at times when people are using transport and that type of thing. So it's it, it really is much, a lot more difficult for somebody who has warding. And as I say, that anxiety that hits them is, is severe, really severe, and and again, then they then they get attached, and as they get the thing, it feels like there's relief, and then they get some sort of sentimental value to that that item, and and, and they just they cannot part with it. it; becomes an extension of of them, it becomes an extension of their anxiety. And as shy, I wanted to ask you on that point. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm on the other side, so I don't I don't have much stuff, and for me, I've always looked at people that hide behind their stuff. Cause I see a lot of people are hiding behind their stuff and I'm maybe hypercritical, but how many people do you deal with where you're going, listen, having the latest, whatever jacket and having 10 of them isn't going to make you a better person and your relationship with your <laughs> wife isn't going to get better because of that. Do, yeah. do you often see those types of, of people or do I sound crazy? 
No, no. So, so look, somebody who let's talk about having hoarding, right, and and collecting. A lot of people are not buying things to make themselves look better or be a better person. They they generally have such severe anxiety that they cannot stop themselves from it. And 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 you know, jackets jackets is one thing. I think yes, there is a. There is a psychological part of this where a lot of people look for external things, so external things to to prove themselves to the world, to make themselves feel valuable in the world, to make themselves feel like you know loved. And, and there's a lot of people that we see that have significant, almost people pleasing attributes, or have no boundaries, and they want external validation. And then they will get that from from items, or they'll believe they'll get that from from items. Whereas what we talk about significantly is internal motivation and wanting things that, you know, and wanting things for yourself and, and people liking you for who you are and, 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 and people being around you for, for how, you, how you portray yourself. But in a disorder, in hoarding disorder, the person is not collecting it to try and sort of show the world that they are, that they're okay or try and let people mm-hmm. like them or, or want to be around them. They're doing it because of that severe anxiety that they just, I, I see it, I get such anxiety. I have to buy it. It relieves anxiety. And then I keep it because of the anxiety. Yeah. What, what's the, uh, what are, what are some of the, the situations that you've dealt with in your own practice? I mean, tell, tell me how bad both hoarding and obsessive compulsive disorder can get. So, no, it, it's severe, severe, severe. So let's start with, with OCD. I mean, if you want to talk about the, the most severe case that I've, that I've dealt with, the most severe case is, is somebody who, you know, we talk about in, in schizophrenia or psychosis, we talk about somebody who becomes catatonic. As in they can't move. They sort of just can't go anywhere. They, they almost can't speak in a way. And I have had a, a, a guy that from OCD appeared catatonic. So what it is they couldn't move. He was in hospital. He couldn't go anywhere. And basically what happens is OCD is a disorder where he can become stuck. So he, he, he couldn't move. Basically, anything that he would touch, he felt was contaminated. Any thought that he had, that he, he believed that he was going to influence the world. I mean, there's some stuff in OCD called magical thinking, that yeah. if you think or touch something, something might something bad might happen, something good might happen. The person will say, you know, and they'll come to me and they'll say, sure. I know this is strange. I know this is weird. I know this is illogical, but I just cannot get my brain to tell me something else. I can't do anything else with regards to that, that thought. And, and that's how severe it gets. I get people that are, that are so severe also that they cannot get themselves, they, they need to get to hospital, but they, they're so fearful of germs that we can't get them to hospital. So they're at home, they're sick and, and people are, are at a point of almost they're on their deathbed. They're going to die, and they and, cannot and, get themselves. And what to a what happens to those and, people? What happens to those people when you've got like a pandemic going on? Because they're already. Oh, hang on, Gareth, you're on mute there. Sorry, sorry, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. Shy. What I was saying is, what happens to those people yeah. during a pandemic? I mean, can you imagine if you already have obsessive compulsive disorder? You already think everything's contaminated. You're washing your hands all the time. You're putting sanitizer on long before it became a thing. And now suddenly the world is in a state where everything is actually potentially dangerous. And you're worried that everything has disease, that everybody has disease. Does that send those people spiraling out of control? So, so Gareth, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I sat down and I thought to myself the same thing. I thought, you know, it's going to send people with OCD into a into an absolute panic. But here's the here's the funny part: is that a lot of people with OCD actually are are okay in the pandemic. I've got, <laughs> I had a couple of clients. I spent, one client come in with to me, and he and he said to me, you know, it's just, I said, sure. 
He says, I'm happy. I said, what do you mean you're happy? He goes, I've been training for this for years, to be honest with you. I've been training for the pandemic for years. i got no problem. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I feel that way. <laughs> yeah, and also very much like what, what I was saying to you, Gareth, at, at one point, I was happier that more people were washing their hands and sanitizing and wearing masks and not coughing on me yeah. um, than before. Yeah. 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 There yeah, may yeah, be some, so there may be some positives much. after all. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They, then they are, but I think you know, it's still, they, I do have I do have clients that are getting worse throughout the the <sighs> pandemic. A lot of them are struggling with it, and um, yeah, it just it just exacerbates it. It like takes somebody as OCD, and they, I mean, I've got a client at the moment. She she was washing her hands. I mean, when I say probably about a hundred times a day, <sighs> that was that was that was minimum. Now her hands were they like bleeding, they yeah. cut, they you know just. And and what happened was is that I mean now the pandemic's probably she's probably at about five hundred times a day. She's so it's completely just blown that up. But I mean between hundred and five hundred, really, you know, somebody's they excessive either way. To be yeah. Honest. Oh my god. And then yeah, yeah, it's been tough. So and then Gareth, I know you're talking about hoarding, and yeah. you know, hoarding cases we've got are, are severe. Yeah, we see less of hoarding than OCD, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people with hoarding disorder don't come forward and get help a lot of people with hoarding disorder get told to come forward and get help by their family members really and they are often often reluctant often extremely reluctant so we don't see a lot of it but the extreme cases have been extreme where people cannot they cannot live in their houses really listen do do these people do these people have a profile is there anything that 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 makes them similar uh, 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 is it an age thing is it a traumatic childhood experience is it the loss of somebody is there something that kicks it off or is it just across the board could be anyone it comes up because of circumstances or because their brains just aren't sorting out the right chemicals for them what 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 is is there any generality yeah so so it's well generally it's a person who has they have a genetic predisposition to it. So you'll find hmm. OCD is actually a genetic disorder. So there's a genetic predisposition. But often those genes will lie dormant. It's a bit like a volcano. It lies dormant. And then some sort of like triggering event, and it can be a trauma. It can be just lo- like stress. It can be family members and, and difficult family circumstances that sort of light it up and almost that volcano lights over. And then what you'll find is, is that a lot of times we see it actually starting in, in kiddies. You'll see, I don't know, between 11 and 15, there seems to be quite a sort of sort of uh, onset of it. But between 11 and 15, the person collects. Then between their 20s, they got things. And generally, we only start to see people between their 30s or 40s. And why? Because that family members are saying, whoa, man, there's too much stuff. Like you've, over these decades, you've now collected wow. way too much. Like you need to go. It's, it's, it's impairing our functioning, you know. So a lot of people won't come and get help for it the younger they are. I've actually got a guy now, very interesting enough, he's about he's about eighteen and and, and he's come forward for help, which is very interesting. Mm. You, I don't see it nearly that young. I often will see generally forties, fifties is where you'll see it really. But yeah, that's the profile really of somebody. So it's a combination you, of it and what do you, you know. do to, what do you do to help these people? I mean is it a combination of therapy? Is there medication that's involved? Is there a, a process you have to go through with them? Do you have to get them to do hard things like clear one room at a time? Do you have to get them under supervision? Yeah. So so look, it's I will tell you guys, O C D 
is actually one of the easier disorders to treat, whereas oh. hoarding is probably one of the more difficult disorders huh. to treat. So it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. But both both of them, the gold standard of treatment is a combination of medication. So you take something called an SSRI, but it's basically an antidepressant. Okay. Now, you don't just take antidepressants for depression. You take them at a low dose for depression. You might raise them for anxiety. You might raise it a bit more for, for OCD. And generally that in combination with, with, with therapy and the therapy that's the gold standard at the moment is called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. And what we do with somebody is one is expose them to this idea of being able to give something away, expose right. them to throwing something away and to be able to sit with that anxiety, learn how to deal with that anxiety because that anxiety will always hit its curve. It'll always come down. And once they lose a bit of that sort of connection to it, you'll find that they actually are able to start to get rid of, of certain things, that, that emotional connection. But it's, it's slow, and they've got to do things slowly. You'll find a lot of family members will get in and just sort of clean up somebody's house. I'll just clean up the whole, the whole place. And generally, that doesn't help so much because the fact is, is that the person finds it very, very distressing. Mm. So what you need to do is we need to we need to walk the person through. So almost you've got to hold their hand and go slowly, slowly through it. And it can be a process. I mean, it can be a really, really slow process going through things. They often they often want to go through each thing and make sure what they've got. And and <laughs> and in my opinion, I actually don't know if that's the right way. I think that they've got to throw things away, even if there's potential use to it, because that's the exposure. And you're not exposing them to the 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 stuff. You're exposing them to the emotions and stuff. So you're exposing them to the anxiety. And once they can deal with the anxiety and realize that that, that component is not a part of them, it's not something that they, that they need, they're able oh. to slowly start to get, to get rid of it. But the big thing is that a lot, you need motivation to do that. You need to be motivated to get rid of it. And a lot of people with hoarding disorder are not motivated. They, they just don't want to get rid of it. And no matter what their place looks like, no matter how bad it is, they just they don't want to bring themselves to to therapy and admit that there may be something that that's wrong and that they may need help. Hmm. Leanne is moving house and she is uh, getting rid of a whole bunch of stuff, so she's going through the opposite of hoarding at the moment. That's probably quite a <laughs> it's probably quite a good psychological experience to be able to divest yourself of old stuff and to be able to get rid of things and and clear some space in your life. Right? I mean, there's a healthy place somewhere between collecting the things that matter to you, putting a, a little display together of the stuff that you really care about, and also being able to just throw stuff away because that's probably a very healthy thing. You know, some things you grow out of and you don't need anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 look, there's definitely, they, they say there's definitely sort of some sort of therapeutic cleansing and trying to get rid of things. There's no doubt about it. So getting stuff, getting rid of stuff. But... What's interesting is that if you talk to anybody, even people, uh, somebody who doesn't have a warning disorder, somebody who's just, as you say, moving house, but sometimes you're going through and there's stuff that you've got to throw away, but then you find that there's some sort of, there was some sentimental value to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a, a birthday card, a, a present you got from someone that you don't use anymore. And, and it's quite difficult to part with. So we use that a lot with people to show them how, when, when you give talks, when I give talks on hoarding, I use that a lot to talk about See how difficult it is to get rid of that. Mm. Take that feeling and times that by 10. That's what this person's feeling about nearly anything and yeah. all these different types of things. So that's how hard it becomes for them. So, yeah, it is, it is cleansing. It can be very therapeutic. But also there's some things that just are difficult to throw away that you can imagine how hard it is for somebody who's, who's got hoarding disorder. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
Um, so Robin says, that's me to a T as well. I love I live for throwing things away. So you see some people like it. They, they, they feel good about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It can be very therapeutic. Leanne, do you, are you, are you sitting, uh, suffering with anything that you don't want to throw away at the moment? <laughs> um, I've actually, yeah, I've got these, these two boxes that move with me wherever I go. They're taped shut because of an initial move yet. I've never opened them. Um, and however, I still keep them, and they've, they've got all of my school um, annuals in there and, you know, f- school photographs and that sort of thing. Very, very neat and not impeding anything, maybe taking up a shelf, um, and that's not so bad. Um, but what all of this does remind me of is my grandmother. Um, she, I, I would have probably pegged her as a, as a hoarder, because she had a a room full of clothing and um, things that she bought from overseas um, that were just, you know, the door could barely open because this room was absolutely piled with everything. But now I'm putting together that because it wasn't impeding on the rest of the home and the lifestyle, um, that it may not have been hoarding to a very bad degree, but also because, you know, she, she was an orphan. She was adopted as a very little girl. Her parents had given her up and she'd lived in various foster homes um, and lived very poorly. And for her, this was like her safety net, her little room of treasures that um, would never allow her to be be in that situation again. Because remember also growing up in, in those circumstances, you never had a private place for all of your things when you were moving around a lot, you never had your own room mm. or your own suitcase for stuff, you know? So those things can impact as well. What do you think of that? Yeah. Shy? Yeah, undoubtedly. So that does, yeah, that's not necessarily a, you know, a hoarding, a hoarding problem, mm. but what you're saying is very interesting. And what we do see a lot is that in hoarding, there's, there's almost two streams. Just one stream is that something has sentimental value, but the other stream is that somebody will hear them say, I, I'm going to find use for that, or I'm going to have use for that, 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 that certain thing. And what we find, and, and, and you know, this is something that I've found a lot in my practice when I do deal with it, is that a lot of people who have the sort of stream where I'm going to find use in it yeah. have potentially come from a background where they've had to almost survive by, by keeping certain things. Or they haven't had the, the the financial means to be able to go and get a lot of different types of stuff, so they'll often keep it because I'm going to use it. Or that they, you know, they, they as you say, they were orphaned, or somebody who whose uh, whose parents don't give them very much. Yeah. And we find that quite a lot that it is is part of it. That maybe something that does sort of trigger it. However, as you say, if it's not getting in the way, if your mom's stuff's not getting in the way, it's not sort of making things dysfunctional in the family unit. You can still sort of uh, get around, and if it's one room and and and, and it's out of the way, there's not an issue. <laughs> there's not an issue with that, but it can it can get significantly worse for a lot of people. And and maybe you know it's just your mom collects stuff. Maybe she's just, she's got stuff there, but there's no genetic predisposition to it, so it doesn't bottle over. Hmm. I don't know. 
Well, listen, this is fascinating. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and, and I've got some serious insights into the differences between hoarding and collecting, but also some interesting insight into obsessive-compulsive disorder, which uh, undoubtedly some of us feel some of the time we may be experiencing. Um, obviously, there are severe cases of this, and if you do think that you are suffering from any of these things, you do need to seek help. And uh, you can do that by finding a, a good psychologist and uh, sitting down with them and talking it through. And maybe if they say that you uh, you need some medicine, then you can get some of that too. But there are obviously people who are getting on with it, doing their day-to-day things, and aren't suffering from any of this stuff. The, 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 the line between the two sometimes isn't 100% clear. But Shai, it's really interesting to hear your point of view on this. Thank you for helping us understand the the mindset and the psychology behind collecting and the difference between that and hoarding. And we will see you again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Thank great. you. Thank you for your time today. There's um, Shai Friedland, and uh, he's a clinical psychologist. He works from a cognitive behavioral perspective. And uh, some interesting mm-hmm. points there, huh? What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. If you're a collector of interesting or unusual things or you know of such a person, get in touch with us. Contact at cliffcentral.com, and we would love to feature you on the show or them, if it's someone else. Collectomania brought to you by the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Scoin Shop. You can check them out online at scoinshop.com. That's S-C-O-I-N-S-H-O-P.com. Cliffcentral.com.